Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Try Faster podcast presented by the Fort Worth Tri Club, where we dive into triathlon-specific training, coaching, discuss current triathlon news and races. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the long workout, uh, particularly focusing on the long run workout. So those of you that are, are training for a long run marathons, this will be a very good episode for you. But we'll also be talking about the long workout bikes and swims. Um, so anyone kind of trying to dial in those long workouts as we get toward the end of the race season, um, pay attention. We'll also be diving into recaps of the Collins Cup, long distance worlds, and then previewing Virgin World Cup, which is happening this next weekend where we get to see a Norwegian face off, which would be pretty cool. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since we connected. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Keith Kotar and coach Keith, how you doing? Pretty good. Uh, glad to be doing another episode. Yeah, it's been I know we we're, we're getting a little bit more consistent. I don't think we're where we want to be yet. Um, but it just means we have more updates to talk about. So Keith, how's everything been going for you? I know you've had a lot of racing. Um, give us a training update as well. Uh, it's been pretty good. I think it's been a month since the last time we were on. So um, I think that was maybe right before we went to nationals. Yeah, because we were planning to record on the way back from nationals and that that didn't work out. So right. we, had, uh, we had youth and junior nationals the last weekend of July and uh, we took a pretty good group of kids up there and we ended up finishing 13th as a team. So we were, we were all pretty excited about that. Last year, we only had one athlete race the, the draft legal at nationals. And this year we had nine qualified, eight ended up racing. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot bigger, bigger crowd, obviously than last year. Um, and then personally, the next weekend was my favorite race, the river cities triathlon in Shreveport, Louisiana. And, um, going into that race, I had the record for the most top five finishes without winning the race and finally broke through and got it this year. So, uh, river cities has been on the bucket list for a long time. Uh, quite a few famous names have won that race in the past. And so it was, it was nice to, to do it. It, it came down to basically a sprint finish, uh, with about really? 400 years left. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, it was, it, it hurt really bad. I think it messed me up for a couple of weeks. Cause I, I felt pretty bad until I kind of still do actually. And it's been almost three weeks. Wow. Uh, but the last cave was about as hard as I could run. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun though. It's a good race and it's going to be back. This was the, the 41st edition of it. So it's one of the oldest triathlons out there. You need to get video of this and, and, and get it on social media, post it up and make it look more epic than a, than a Sam versus Lionel sprint finish. <laughs> Maybe we can do that. We've got a couple of videos from, from race. Oh, that's cool. Edited together. Yeah. Um, but uh, training's been been pretty good. I'm starting to get a little bit more consistent. After Lubbock, I kind of didn't do a whole lot for about two or three weeks. And so some of the workouts the last month or so have been kind of rough, but it's coming around. Uh, I'm on pace for about 15 hours this week. I don't think I've had a 15-hour training week um, probably in five years. So I'm pretty tired, but also excited that it's coming around. Um, and then the, the PTO is going to have their stop here in Texas in just three weeks. So it's getting, getting close. Yeah, you got the PTO, you got 70.3 worlds, a pretty, pretty epic finish to the year for you. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Um, so last time we spoke, yeah, about a month ago and like literally the second we got done talking, I got the email from the Chicago marathon, my a race, my really only focal point, um, this year. 
and it was the corral assignments. Um, open it up, and I and I kind of knew my corral assignment was not going to be where I wanted it to be because earlier this spring I ran a one thirty and eleven seconds in a half marathon. I knew I, it, like those eleven seconds really mattered, um, so it put me in the C corral. Um, the problem is with the C corral, my goal race time is is three hours, and there's no three hour pacer in the C corral, so I needed those eleven seconds to be in in the B corral of the first wave, um, uh, which meant I had to start looking immediately. Um, I really didn't prepare ahead enough. I guess all this comes down to, Hey, I didn't prepare ahead enough in time. I didn't know when the cutoff was going to be when you had to get that race done to, to submit your time for the corral assignments. Uh, I had two weeks from that point, uh, to get a half marathon done. So, uh, immediately after that, I was texting you saying, Hey, we got to get a half marathon on the schedule. I was able to do that. We got one on the schedule. I went down and raced it. I'll give you all the details of that in a second. Um, um, and, and that was really kind of the main focal point of the, of the first two weeks after we last spoke, I'd say in general, leading up to that race, even after that race, um, the training has been going really well. And I think I've been executing on all the, the workouts that you've been giving me. We've been focusing more on the run. I think maybe if we w- went back and looked over the last six months, I've had maybe two bikes a week right now, it's down to one or maybe even none. So there's more running. The mileage is picking up. Um, I feel the speed is picking up or my ability to handle the paces are picking up, which is good. I'm focusing more on the diet. So getting a little bit better body composition for the race coming up. All the things are kind of coming in line just as I, you know, if I went back six months ago, I would have hoped that they were. Um, so in summary, I think the training is going really good. Let me tell you about the, let me tell you about the half marathon though. Cause I think this is kind of when things fall off the rails a little bit. So go to the half marathon. Funny enough, it's actually, it's in central Illinois. It's in my hometown. It's the only half marathon that you can run between Illinois and Wisconsin in that two week period. So I really didn't have a choice of where I went. I didn't have a choice of the day or any of it. It's like the first weekend of August, um, race morning, I get up, I was able to stay at home with my mom and I go outside. It's not overly hot. It's like 75 early in the morning. Um, when I'm going out, I had just finished breakfast and I'm checking out, you know, just getting a warm up in checking out, um, how the legs feel legs feel good. I can feel the heat though. It's only 75. The sun is shining. And I look at the weather. It's literally a hundred percent humidity. Now I am not a meteorologist, but like when it says hundred percent humidity, shouldn't it be raining? Like it's not, it's like, this is the type of weather where you're standing in and you're running and my legs feel good. And I'm just doing my warm up stuff. But you, you put a butter knife through the air. Like it feels like you're slicing it. Like it's that thick. Um, and I don't know how that's going to like affect in the race. I'm like trying to get myself, you know, Hey, be positive. Hey, this is fine. It's only 75 degrees. Um, and you know, it's nothing to worry about even hundred percent humidity. It could be 110% humidity. I'll be okay. So do my warm up. get to the race start. And it's not an overly large race, maybe a couple hundred people. Very few people are running 130 or faster, just looking at prior race results. So I knew it's going to be a, a time trial solo effort. Maybe there's going to be a couple people around me, but it's, it's, there's no pack running. There's no one to pace off of. It's a you against yourself effort running through cornfields of central Illinois on country roads. Um, so not, nothing I'm unfamiliar with, but certainly not 
the greatest race experience overall. Um, race starts. And even before the race, I get to the start line, they had a water, they had water off on the side. Um, warm up had kind of continued. I probably did about a mile and a half warm up. Like I'm already sweating, dripping sweat and hot. So I like pour water all over me. I'm trying to do, you know, what you do typically in triathlons or whatever in the middle of the summer when you're running and it's 90 degrees, just pour water on my arms, pour water on my head, get as cooled off as I possibly can. Um, feeling good. Race starts, gun goes off. Keith, you can look at the numbers on training peaks. I kind of have them open here as well. And I really want your perspective on this because this is, this is very interesting to me. So the first mile is a little bit downhill. I race. So I put my, my pace pro on my watch to be at 645 pace. So I wanted, I wanted to come in closer to 129 than 130. Uh, I, and I really feel like I could, I have the fitness for that. My first mile though, it's downhill and it's 617. So probably a little hot. I'm very aware when I'm looking at my power though, that I'm getting from my watch, it's at 458. So it's not like I, I didn't feel this, this is a new watch for me, a new power system. So the numbers are a little bit new. I'm not hundred percent dialed into it. It didn't feel hard. Like I felt like I was in control of my breathing of the effort that I was given. So First mile had a lot of downhill segments. We're good. Second mile is pretty flat. Maybe with it starts to turn up on the back end of the second mile. My power is actually higher on mile two. Pace, 646. So close to what I wanted to be at, but definitely slowing down a little bit. Third mile, it ticks up a little bit more. We get into the country roads. You kind of go over a... I would say a medium sized overpass with a little bit of rolling hills on both sides, 651. Okay. Still like, okay, maybe I need to readdress my pace. It's a little hot. I'm starting to feel the heat. 651, though, I'm still right on pace for three hours. If I, or excuse me, 130 for the half, if I can maintain this. That power for that lap, again, higher than the first lap or for the first mile. So I'm still feeling like, okay, hey, I don't think I hurt myself too much by going out. I'll say air quotes hard in mile one. Um, I feel like mile one was just the downhill and Hey, now I really need to try and settle in mile four kind of settling in with the pace. Okay. 645 is a little bit hot. Let me back it off a bit. 648 is what I ran mile four. Again, that power kind of came down a little bit, um, in line with what I ran that first mile at, but this is kind of, I feel mile four is where I started to feel the heat of everything. We now we're out in the country roads. There's absolutely no shade. It turns into like blue skies and hundred percent humidity. Again, I like, I don't know how this happens. Like if it's hundred percent humidity, it needs to be raining or at least it should be cloudy. Like you should have enough moisture in the air for clouds, right? We don't have that. And and it just starts to build the temperature in my watch starts to rise. Like when I look at the data afterward, I don't know if you can see that on training peaks, but I can see it in Garmin. I only flip to it here. Um, it starts to rise my, the average temp on the watch throughout the run was 87 with a high of, of 90. Um, so I think when you kind of combine that with the humidity and what we were feeling from the sun, it was blistering and 
I could just feel somewhere between mile four and mile five that this was not my day. This wasn't happening. I was pouring water on me at every aid station. And by mile five, I think it's the second or the third aid station. I'm just soaking wet, like nothing's evaporating. Uh, and I, and I kind of kick it in, um, to, or I, I change it from a half marathon race where I was really pushing to, to be under 130 um, to a, Hey, let's just make this a long run and um, just get it at easy to moderate pace for the rest of it. That's what I did. I'm super disappointed with the result of it, but I just think it was a function of the heat and humidity and truly not a function of my fitness. Keith, tell me if I'm delusional or not. Uh, no, I think you definitely had performances that are better. Um, uh, you know, like you had the, the 10 K race and then, uh, just looking at the training numbers, but if you were to try to put this into some sort of converter with temperature, I mean, it would be quite a bit faster. I mean, that's, that's pretty warm. Like that's kind of the, the temperature that we feel at the end of a 70.3. And so that's, that's pretty tough to try to run an open half marathon. Um, but there is a huge dip in, uh, in your power that we kind of see from five to six, and then it keeps going. Right. Um, and your power in those late miles, I mean, you're like a hundred Watts lower than the first couple miles. And so I think some of that is the pacing. Um, but also you said you got a new watch. How long have you had the watch? Like prior to this race, maybe two or three weeks. Does your power seem to be reading the same? Cause it, it seems really high. Well, it's the, it's Garmin power, right? So I lost my stride power pod, which was on the foot. And so now I have the Garmin, uh, and the, the Garmin running dynamics pod, and it's completely different than what we had with stride. So the number. hey you froze ah okay somehow okay i, I was i was curious about the power because it seems like it suddenly jumped oh are you back, are you back? Yeah. yeah you're muted though You're muted. Can you hear me? Yep. Does it sound the same? Yeah, yeah you sound the same. Uh, All right, so I'll, I'll just pick up with your, I heard your question. I don't know how much of my answer you heard. I think you ended somewhere around the, you had the Garmin running dynamics. Okay. Did you tell me that? <clears throat> I don't remember, but I'll, let me fill you in here. Um, okay. So yeah, the, the, 
Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Try Faster podcast presented by the Fort Worth Tri Club, where we dive into triathlon-specific training, coaching, discuss current triathlon news and races. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the long workout, uh, particularly focusing on the long run workout. So those of you that are, are training for a long run marathons, this will be a very good episode for you. But we'll also be talking about the long workout bikes and swims. Um, so anyone kind of trying to dial in those long workouts as we get toward the end of the race season, um, pay attention. We'll also be diving into recaps of the Collins Cup, long distance worlds, and then previewing Virgin World Cup, which is happening this next weekend, where we get to see a Norwegian face off, which is pretty cool. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since we connected. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Keith Kotar and coach Keith, how you doing? Pretty good. Uh, glad to be doing another episode. Yeah, it's been I know we we're, we're getting a little bit more consistent. I don't think we're where we want to be yet. Um, but it just means we have more updates to talk about. So Keith, how's everything been going for you? I know you've had a lot of racing. Um, give us a training update as well. Uh, it's been pretty good. I think it's been a month since the last time we were on. So um, I think that was maybe right before we went to nationals. Yeah. Cause we were planning to record on the way back from nationals and that, that didn't work out. So right. we had, uh, we had youth and junior nationals the last weekend of July and uh, we took a pretty good group of kids up there and we ended up finishing 13th as a team. So we were, we were all pretty excited about that. Last year, we only had one athlete race the, the draft legal at nationals. And this year we had nine qualified eight ended up racing. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot bigger, bigger crowd, obviously than last year. Um, and then personally, the next weekend was my favorite race, the river cities triathlon in Shreveport, Louisiana. And, um, going into that race, I had the record for the most top five finishes without winning the race and finally broke through and got it this year. So, uh, river cities has been on the bucket list for a long time. Uh, quite a few famous names have won that race in the past. And so it was, it was nice to, to do it. It, it came down to basically a sprint finish, uh, with about really? years left. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, it was, it, it hurt really bad. I think it messed me up for a couple of weeks. Cause I, I felt pretty bad until I kind of still do actually. And it's been almost three weeks. Wow. Uh, but the last cave was about as hard as I could run. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun though. It's a good race and it's going to be back. This was the, the 41st edition of it. So it's one of the oldest triathlons out there. You need to get video of this and, and, and get it on social media, post it up and make it look more epic than a, than a Sam versus Lionel sprint finish. <laughs> Maybe we can do that. We've got a couple of videos from, from race. Oh, that's cool. Edited together. Yeah. Um, but, uh, training's been, been pretty good. I'm starting to get a little bit more consistent after Lubbock. I kind of didn't do a whole lot for about two or three weeks. And so some of the workouts the last month or so have been kind of rough, but it's coming around. Uh, I'm on pace for about 15 hours this week. I don't think I've had a 15 hour training week, um, probably in five years. So I'm pretty tired, but also excited that it's coming around. Um, and then the, the PTO is going to have their stop here in Texas in just three weeks. So it's getting, getting close. Yeah, you got the PTO, you got 70.3 worlds, a pretty, pretty epic finish to the year for you. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Um, so last time we spoke, yeah, about a month ago and like literally the second we got done talking, I got the email from the Chicago marathon, my a race, my really only focal point, um, this year. 
and it was the corral assignments. Um, open it up, and I and I kind of knew my corral assignment was not going to be where I wanted it to be because earlier this spring I ran a one thirty and eleven seconds in a half marathon. I knew I, it, like those eleven seconds really mattered, um, so it put me in the C corral. Um, the problem is with the C corral, my goal race time is is three hours, and there's no three hour pacer in the C corral, so I needed those eleven seconds to be in in the B corral of the first wave, um, which meant I had to start looking immediately. Um, I really didn't prepare ahead enough. I guess all this comes down to, Hey, I didn't prepare ahead enough in time. I didn't know when the cutoff was going to be when you had to get that race done to, to submit your time for the corral assignments. Uh, I had two weeks from that point, uh, to get a half marathon done. So, uh, immediately after that, I was texting you saying, Hey, we got to get a half marathon on the schedule. I was able to do that. We got one on the schedule. I went down and raced it. I'll give you all the details of that in a second. Um, um, and, and that was really kind of the main focal point of the, of the first two weeks after we last spoke, I'd say in general, leading up to that race, even after that race, um, the training has been going really well. And I think I've been executing on all the, the workouts that you've been giving me. We've been focusing more on the run. I think maybe if we w- went back and looked over the last six months, I've had maybe two bikes a week right now, it's down to one or maybe even none. So there's more running. The mileage is picking up. Um, I feel the speed is picking up or my ability to handle the paces are picking up, which is good. I'm focusing more on the diet. So getting a little bit better body composition for the race coming up. All the things are kind of coming in line just as I, you know, if I went back six months ago, I would have hoped that they were. Um, so in summary, I think the training's going really good. Let me tell you about the, let me tell you about the half marathon though. Cause I think this is kind of when things fall off the rails a little bit. So go to the half marathon. Funny enough, it's actually, it's in central Illinois. It's in my hometown. It's the only half marathon that you can run between Illinois and Wisconsin in that two week period. So I really didn't have a choice of where I went. I didn't have a choice of the day or any of it. It's like the first weekend of August, um, race morning, I get up, I was able to stay at home with my mom and I go outside. It's not overly hot. It's like 75 early in the morning. Um, when I'm going out, I had just finished breakfast and I'm checking out, you know, just getting a warm up in, checking out, um, how the legs feel legs feel good. I can feel the heat though. It's only 75. The sun is shining. And I look at the weather. It's literally a hundred percent humidity. Now I am not a meteorologist, but like when it says hundred percent humidity, shouldn't it be raining? Like it's not, it's like, this is the type of weather where you're standing in and you're running and my legs feel good and I'm just doing my warm up stuff, but you, you put a butter knife through the air. Like it feels like you're slicing it. Like it's that thick. Um, and I don't know how that's going to like affect in the race. I'm like trying to get myself, you know, Hey, be positive. Hey, this is fine. It's only 75 degrees. Um, and you know, it's nothing to worry about even hundred percent humidity. It could be 110% humidity. I'll be okay. So do my warm up. get to the race start. And it's not an overly large race, maybe a couple hundred people. Very few people are running 130 or faster, just looking at prior race results. So I knew it's going to be a, a time trial solo effort. Maybe there's going to be a couple people around me, but it's, it's, there's no pack running. There's no one to pace off of. It's a you against yourself effort running through cornfields of central Illinois on country roads. Um, so not, nothing I'm unfamiliar with, but certainly not 
the greatest race experience overall. Um, race starts. And even before the race, I get to the start line. They had a water, they had water off on the side. Um, warm up had kind of continued. I probably did about a mile and a half warm up. Like I'm already sweating, dripping sweat and hot. So I like pour water all over me. I'm trying to do, you know, what you do typically in triathlons or whatever in the middle of the summer when you're running and it's 90 degrees, just pour water on my arms, pour water on my head, get as cooled off as I possibly can. Um, feeling good. Race starts, gun goes off. Keith, you can look at the numbers on training peaks. I kind of have them open here as well. And I really want your perspective on this because this is, this is very interesting to me. So the first mile is a little bit downhill. I race. So I put my, my pace pro on my watch to be at 645 pace. So I wanted, I wanted to come in closer to 129 than 130. Uh, I, and I really feel like I could, I have the fitness for that. My first mile though, it's downhill and it's 617. So probably a little hot. I'm very aware when I'm looking at my power though, that I'm getting from my watch, it's at 458. So it's not like I, I didn't feel this. This is a new watch for me, a new power system. So the numbers are a little bit new. I'm not hundred percent dialed into it. It didn't feel hard. Like I felt like I was in control of my breathing of the effort that I was given. So First mile had a lot of downhill segments. We're good. Second mile is pretty flat. Maybe with a, it starts to turn up on the back end of the second mile. My power is actually higher on mile two. Pace, 646. So close to what I wanted to be at, but definitely slowing down a little bit. Third mile, it ticks up a little bit more. We get into the country roads. You kind of go over a... I would say a medium sized overpass with a little bit of rolling hills on both sides, 651. Okay. Still like, okay, maybe I need to readdress my pace. It's a little hot. I'm starting to feel the heat. 651, though, I'm still right on pace for three hours. If I, or excuse me, 130 for the half, if I can maintain this. That power for that lap, again, higher than the first lap or for the first mile. So I'm still feeling like, okay, hey, I don't think I hurt myself too much by going out. I'll say air quotes hard in mile one. Um, I feel like mile one was just the downhill and Hey, now I really need to try and settle in mile four kind of settling in with the pace. Okay. 645 is a little bit hot. Let me back it off a bit. 648 is what I ran mile four. Again, that power kind of came down a little bit, um, in line with what I ran that first mile at, but this is kind of, I feel mile four is where I started to feel the heat of everything. We now we're out in the country roads. There's absolutely no shade. It turns into like blue skies and hundred percent humidity. Again, I like, I don't know how this happens. Like if it's hundred percent humidity, it needs to be raining or at least it should be cloudy. Like you should have enough moisture in the air for clouds, right? We don't have that. And and it just starts to build the temperature in my watch starts to rise. Like when I look at the data afterward, I don't know if you can see that on training peaks, Keith, but I can see it in Garmin. I only flip to it here. Um, it starts to rise my, the average temp on the watch throughout the run was 87 with a high of, of 90. Um, so I think when you kind of combine that with the humidity and what we were feeling from the sun, it was blistering and 
I could just feel somewhere between more, mile four and mile five that this was not my day. This wasn't happening. I was pouring water on me at every aid station. And by mile five, I think it's the second or the third aid station. I'm just soaking wet, like nothing's evaporating. Uh, and I, and I kind of kick it in, um, to, or I, I change it from a half marathon race where I was really pushing to, to be under 130 um, to a, hey, let's just make this a long run and um, just get it at easy to moderate pace for the rest of it. That's what I did. I'm super disappointed with the result of it, but I just think it was a function of the heat and humidity and truly not a function of my fitness. Keith, tell me if I'm delusional or not. Uh, no, I think you definitely had performances that are better. Um, uh, you know, like you had the, the 10 K race and then, uh, just looking at the training numbers, but if you were to try to put this into some sort of converter with temperature, I mean, it would be quite a bit faster. I mean, that's, that's pretty warm. Like that's kind of the, the temperature that we feel at the end of a 70.3. And so that's, that's pretty tough to try to run an open half marathon. Um, but there is a huge dip in uh, in your power that we kind of see from five to six and then it keeps going right. um, and your power in those late miles i mean you're like 100 watts lower than the first couple miles and so i think some of that is the pacing um but also you said you got a new watch how long have you had the watch like prior to this race maybe two or three weeks does your power seem to be reading the same because it, it seems really high the new watch I've had, I got the Garmin 955, maybe two weeks before this race. And then with the running dynamics pod, it gives you the Garmin running power. And it's completely different from what you and I have been using. I've been using the stride power pod prior to that, but I lost it. So, so that's the reason for the switch over to the Garmin power It's completely different. Um, I would say when it's easy runs, tempo runs or anything, really, it's almost probably a hundred Watts off. Clearly, there's no standard for how these companies are calculating power. They're only good amongst their own numbers in comparison. So that's kind of why I haven't really used power to guide my effort on hills or anything or pace, because it's not something I'm yet familiar with enough. So yeah. brand new watch for me, brand new power numbers. Okay. And then is it the Garmin that does it through the chest strap or through a pod? It does it through a pod. So I have a pod that you like you wear like on your shorts and it tells you oh, on your shorts. you could, you could do either. You could do a chest strap. Um, Garmin's heart rate monitor with running dynamics will provide it, or you can just have the running pod and you put that on your shorts. You don't wear it on your feet. So it's, I, I don't know what power numbers are better. Um, they're all relative to their own systems and how they're calculating it. I feel like, but I guess that the main message is like, I did have power on my watch that I could see per lap, but it wasn't something at this point, you know, only having it two weeks, I was not using for pacing. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I was wondering, cause the last couple of weeks it's been really, really high. And I thought maybe you were just having some malfunctions, uh, because for oh, me, I just like got a lot stronger. 450 Watts for me would be like a dead sprint. Yeah. Uh, like, I think I'd be running like 420 pace at, at that power. And so, uh, that's, that's very, very high. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. And, and like the, I know you made the the feedback, like the starting power to the later power. 
like the power after, you know, the 35, 35 minute, 40 minute mark, that's just me jogging it in. Like I, in my head, my mindset went and tell me if this is right or wrong. I went to say, Hey, if I'm not gonna hit my pace, this is early August. This is really hot. Like I could probably push it to be in five minutes faster, but I didn't want to, cause I didn't want to prolong the recovery. Like, and to me, like, I don't know if that was a good idea or a bad idea. It feels like I'm saying I quit or I gave up. I hope that's not a bad thing. It, it really feels that way. But in my head, I was saying, no, Michael, like there's no reason to continue to push. You're, you're going to overheat. You're not going to run the pace that you need to anyway. So you're just going to be right. putting yourself in a bigger hole. Like, and I, yeah, that's, I, probably, that's what I did. I don't know if it was right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I know some people probably don't want to hear, hear that, but that's, that's the way to go. If you're, you're not in it, to win the race or anything like that. You were out there to try to run a time. You're not going to get the time. Um, you still got a pretty good workout. You ran a nice 10 K and then, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it ended up kind of being like a long run with some quality in it as opposed to a race. Cause you know, I mean, a half marathon is, it's a lot on the body. If you run it as hard as you can, you're, you're looking at probably close to a month of recovery. So, I mean, that's, that's a smart decision. Well, I have to ask you this question, right? So like, give me the honest coach feedback is my goal for Chicago appropriate because at this point, what we're trying to say is we need, we need you, Michael, to run two half marathon PRs back to back. I think it's possible. Um, I don't think it's, it's way out there. Um, you have enough time. We still have, you know, a few weeks and I think your fitness is a lot better than we saw from this race. And hopefully you're going to get better weather at, by then, I mean, obviously, you know, Chicago is known to have some hot days now and now and then on race day. So it might not be, if it's like last year's Chicago, then no, you're probably not going to run under three hours unless you have the best day of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's something we'll have to look at as we get closer. Um, but the way that this summer has gone, I, I think it's been unseasonably hot everywhere in the U S um, I had a layover on the way home from. Europe and I was in Minneapolis and it was over a hundred there. So, uh, I think it's been hot everywhere. And I've noticed this with a lot of people that I've coached. I think we talked about this in the heat training. The last episode was that a lot of the people that I've been working with think they're, they're losing fitness, but really it's just been so hot that it's been impossible to gauge anything. And so like we had a couple of people go to age group nationals and it was 40 degrees cooler there then it had been here and suddenly their fitness was back, you know, yeah. Quotes, it returned yeah. uh, just because they felt so much better. And so I think that that's kind of what, that's the position we're all in uh, for the most part is if you have a nice weather day, then you'll be fine. I mean, it is amazing. Like over the last couple of weeks, like I feel like the training is going well. And I don't know if this is bad to say or not, like I haven't been stressed that hard. Like overall, I would say the intensity or difficulty of the workouts is like a seven or an eight out of 10. Like I'm not, I'm not having to go all out to push and finish these. Um, and the workouts on the schedule this week, I, we have a long run coming up the Sunday. Like if I think that's going to be very, they're very achievable workouts. Um, and it's just also surprising like the, over the past couple of weeks, I've done a couple of those harder efforts inside for a variety of reasons once I start running marathon pace inside, it's like, Oh, my heart rate is 10 beats lower right. than when it's outside. 
you can control yeah. the environment. Yeah. Yeah. It's 65 degrees in my basement and I can put a big fan on me and the humidity is not a hundred. It feels so good. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge difference. So I think it's, it's doable. If you get a cool day, start early, you're going to have a lot of people around you, which maybe that could be dangerous if you have too many people around you and you're going too fast. Um, but I think if, if you've got the right setup, you're going to be a lot faster. All right. We'll talk more about race prep, especially for a key marathon or Ironman and just like maybe like mindset going into that. I think that's kind of a really good conversation, but maybe first let's talk about long workouts. Cause Hey, like you mentioned, I kind of transformed this half marathon effort into a long workout. I have a two hour long run this weekend with some, with some race pace incorporated into that. And what we've been working on over the past 18 months together is a lot different than what I used to do when I used to do my long workouts. Uh, so help me better understand and those listening, what is a long workout and why do we need it? All right. So we're going to focus mostly on the long run. Like you kind of mentioned in the, the intro, uh, because I think that the long run sometimes are where people mess up their race day, uh, because they end up doing their race and their long runs instead of racing the race you know, when in the actual race. And so, uh, the, the biggest benefits we get from your long run is, I think the first thing is your, the time on your feet, right? Spending time actually running and uh, getting the volume in your legs. Um, depending on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to train, um, you can work in some physical adaptations like fat burning and things like that. Um, and then, you know, it's just, aerobically you do need a longer a couple longer sessions right to maximize your aerobic capacity and so um, for a pure runner i think you need to have a long run pretty much every week you know for the most part because they're not supplementing with the other sports um, but i think that the the other part is for triathletes you don't necessarily need a long long run every week we can have some shorter long you know medium long runs in that 60 75 minute range um, depending on what you're training for, because we can get the volume somewhere else. Right. And so I think the first part that, um, you also need to understand from the aerobics standpoint is most people need somewhere in the 30, 35 hour range of aerobic work to actually maximize your aerobic capacity. Right. So that's why swimmers can spend so much time in the pool. That's why they're swimming 10 or 20 K a day. Right. And that's why cyclists are on the bike five or six hours a day but runners can't run five hours a day. Right. Then, so they need to either cross train, um, or they're not actually maximizing their aerobic capacity. So if you look at, you know, a lot of the, the big marathoners, they run 140 or 150 miles a week, but that's about all they can handle physically. Um, and that's for them is less than 20 hours of running. So, um, for them, that's, that's not enough. They're actually leaving something on the table. So, from the perspective of a pure runner, we could probably go a lot faster if runners actually trained like cyclists or swimmers or triathletes, um, because they'd have, they'd get more out of their aerobic capacity. Okay. So like we need to talk this down though a little bit. So like most people doing a marathon are probably hitting between three and four hours, maybe even four and a half hours. That, that probably includes the bell curve of marathon runners. How do they how should they be doing a long run? Like, does it have to be three to four hours? No. And what does it look like? Okay. So 
I'm going to try to, to paint this in, in your mind so we can see, have a visual that goes along with this. And I think this is where a lot of people make mistakes in their training is the kind of the old standard was lots of people wanted to run like 20 or 22 miles, right. To get ready for a marathon. I've heard that before. Is, is 26 miles. Right. Right. Yeah. I think we've all heard that, right. You kind of yeah. ramp up, you go like 16, 18, 20, 22, 16, 13, and you come back down and that's kind of like the old school <laughs> model of, of marathon training. But, um, let's say that physiologically, right. If you and I go do, uh, you p- picture your, your energy store as like a gas tank, right? So we, we all, we all have some sort of gas tank. It may or may not be the same size gas tank, right? But you know, some, there's probably a coach out there that will think that this is a terrible analogy, but that's okay because they're about to, though they should agree with me in just a second. So we all have a gas tank and somebody's tank might be bigger than someone else's, right? Or they function at a different rate, right? Just like our cars do. But I think the thing that pretty much every coach uses, and maybe they use it because they want to, or because, you know, programs like training peaks make you, right? We all kind of use the same guidelines for a threshold, right? So your threshold is what you can do for an hour, right? So if you and I each go run for an hour, I would probably run about 11 to 11 and a half miles, right? And you would run like nine to nine and a half miles. So did you and I do the same race? If we ran one hour as hard as we can, did we run the same race start to finish? Totally different courses. Totally yeah. different courses. But physiologically, did we run the exact same race? I, you tell me. Yes. Yeah, so is that the same? Within, within a very small amount, right? If we go and do one hour as hard as we can, I think most athletes and coaches accept that as your threshold, whatever sport it is, right? So if I go into the velodrome with Lionel, and we do a right. one hour time trial, he will kill me, but it doesn't mean he's going harder than I am. It okay. just means that his ability is better than mm-hmm. mine. Right. So now if we kind of back this off and we take a two and a half hour marathoner and we take a four hour marathoner, right. And if they've each got five gallons in their gas tank and they do a one hour time trial, right. They were both burning five gallons per hour. Right. Gotcha. Because it's kind of the same thing with uh, just because the the race is a certain distance doesn't mean we're going to train the same way. So now you take that two and a half hour marathoner and you take that four hour marathoner, right? Let's say both of them, their capacity is five gallons per hour, but are they going to use the same amount of gas to run the marathon? Yeah. Can only use what you got. Both, right, on we board. both want to empty. Yeah. They both want to empty the tank when they get to the end. But yeah. the two and a half hour marathoner, right? They're going to be burning two gallons per hour, but the four hour marathoner is only burning one and a quarter marathon or one and a quarter gallons per hour, right? So they're completely different races physiologically, right. even though they have the same starting yeah. line and the same finish line. So what what's happening? in all of our long races, whether it's comparing an eight hour Ironman to a 16 hour Ironman or a two hour marathon or to a five hour marathon, then we're all just operating at different percents of what we're actually physically capable of. Right. So it's a, it's a completely different race for the bell curve four thirty marathon right. That it is for somebody that's running a two and a half hour marathon because they're running so much harder. Right. 
but the four and a half hour marathoner, they might be out there for a long time, but they're running at a much lower percent of their capacity for, during okay. the race. And so, so what the we, four hour marathoner doesn't run for four hours in training. Right. Because if that person went and did a 22 mile long run, they would basically be out there for three and a half hours if they were running easy. Right. Right. And so basically once you kind of get, and this depends on the person. Now this is where you start to get a little more individual is once the race gets that long, you have to decide if you're just running easy or if you're actually racing the race. Right. Um, and of course the assumption that we're making here is that um, for all of these people using this one hour threshold example is that you can actually go hard enough for an hour. Um, presumably if you're not in a fitness state that you can't go hard for an hour, then you're probably just doing your marathon or your Ironman to finish. And we're not, we're not at yet at the improvement stage. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, your long run for most people, you start to have negative physical impact if you're up, up beyond about two and a half hours. And so from a muscular perspective, right? Like it's going to take you so long to recover from that two and a half to three hour run that it's just as bad as doing the race. And so if you are training for a marathon or you're training for an Ironman, most of my athletes, I will cap them at two to two and a half hours. And mm -hmm. I've always been of the belief you're better off running an hour every day and just two hours on your long run than trying to smash out this three, three and a half hour long run, just so you can run 20 miles, right? Cause we don't need to run 20 miles. All we need to do is make sure that you are comfortable at 50% of your capacity for a long time. Right. Okay. Because so you get to that two and a half hours. If you're just running four or five hour marathon pace, if you're once you're two and a half hours in, you know, pace wise, as long as you're pacing yourself correctly, it's just about being able to maintain that pace. And we're not getting better at maintaining that pace once our long runs get that long. So kind of that two hour threshold right. limit, I should say. Limit, and not yeah. mix up terms. We don't want to confuse it with the threshold, right? Right. Gotcha. Two hour threshold run. Have fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so that's, that's a, a big part of the training. I think for no matter what your race distance is, is we need to remember that the time we're, we're racing based on time, right. And we're not really, we're, we're basing our training on how long we think we'll be out there as opposed to how far we're going. Right. Because if you're thinking about, um, uh, maybe another comparison would be if you're taking in nutrition, right. During an Ironman, your coach has probably never told you to take 15 calories per mile on the bike. Right. They tell you to take something like 300 calories per hour. And that's because our rate of, of energy burn is based on time because your body has no idea if you're going uphill or downhill, it just knows how hard you're going. Right. And so we have to know how long we're getting, we're going to be out there on race day. Um, and not to get too far into the weeds of that sort of thing, but, um, something that as far as a long ride, especially I think is where you kind of see a big difference is if you're out on a standard road bike with training, heavy training wheels and no aero bars, you know, you can go out there and not go very far relative to your race distance in a long ride. But you have to remember that on race day, if you are on a time trial bike with a fast setup in your aero, you're going to go a lot faster. And so like for me, 
um, the same power on my time trial bike going easy is about seven miles an hour faster than the same power on my road bike. And so I can't go out on my road bike and do a hundred mile ride and then think that that's the same because I'm going to be a hundred mile ride on my road bike is probably like a 140 mile ride on my time trial bike. Okay. So Keith, clearly you're a little bit more slippery than I am between my road bike and my tri bike. So I got some work to do there, but tell me some more details on like structure of the workout because before like we started working together, you know, coach athlete relationship, I was really focusing on like getting as really two hours may, might not have been my limit. I don't think I really even went over that, but when I went out and did the long workout, it was just like, go out and make it easy. Right. And just get to your point. I was thinking time on my feet and I really didn't try to replicate race pace. Um, that's not what we're doing a lot though. So like help, help everyone understand how do you structure a long workout to get the most out of it? So I think that there are two, two ways to do this. And, and if you're, if you're one of the athletes I coach, you've probably seen this a lot is generally, um, if you're looking at an age grouper, right. Who's got limited time on the weekdays and presumably more time on the weekends. Uh, usually that's where we put the longer workouts. And so what I like to do for most people is the one that's the most important. Uh, sometimes we put it on Saturday, depending on people's schedules. Um, and so like, for an example, one weekend, we could have a big ride on Saturday and there's going to be some race pace in there, some sort of quality. And then it's followed with an easy run on Sunday, but then the next week it might flip and we might do the long run on Saturday, throw some quality in there and then have, you know, an easy medium long ride on Sunday. Right. And so generally I try to use the long workouts to incorporate some race pace. Um, and we're talking, you know, half Ironman, Ironman, marathon, half marathon, um, half marathon. It's a little easier to incorporate race pace during the week because it's, it's a much shorter race, but for people that are training for longer workouts, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a 60 to 90 minute window during the week, we're not going to get much out of a 70.3 paced workout, at least on the bike, right? Maybe you could get a nice run in. If you had a 90 minute run in the middle of the week, we could do that. But um, on the bike, by the time you warm up, maybe you spend 30 or 40 minutes at 70.3 and then you're done, right? And you're cooling out and, and it's over. And so uh, we do incorporate that into the long rides. Um, but like you said, there is definitely a time and a place for for long, easy workouts. And I think that's kind of the first thing, especially if you're newer and you don't know how fast you're going to go on race day, if it's your first marathon, but you're new to running, you know, obviously your first marathon is a little bit different because you've been in endurance sports for such a long time. But if you're new to running and you're jumping into a marathon or if you're new to triathlon and you're jumping into a half or a full, then the easy workout is most important. And I think that the, the other side of it too, is when in doubt, go easy. I don't, I think that, you know, if you're tired or if you're not sure how fast you can go over that distance, go slower. You know, um, I definitely lean toward the slightly more polarized approach to training that, you know, we get little bits of quality as we go. And then, uh, most of your work is going to be long, long, easier work. And then we'll, we'll have some race pace and then we'll have some stuff that's well over race pace. And those are kind of the three areas that we live in, depending on how fast you are. Um, 
because some of those paces could be kind of muddied if you're either on the the higher end or the lower end even. So, um, but yes, I think that long, easy workouts, they're definitely out there. I'm planning to get in hopefully at least one five hour easy ride before St. George, just to put my body through a five hour workout, but I'm not going to do that on the run, right? You're going to go, I'll go ride around, take in 500 calories an hour for five hours and just have some fun on my road bike, not on my time trial bike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, is, is, is that fitness building or is it like just getting the mind ready the butt it's ready to sit for so long like is it is it other things it's both and i and i think that um that's again like i kind of mentioned about pure runners earlier is that's part of the fitness development that they're missing is all of the adaptations that happen at two plus hours right we can't really get that on the run because we start to have negative effects on our muscles and our joints and things um but once we get to you know, the longer workouts, you're really getting good at, hopefully you're getting good at metabolizing fat. Um, you know, our cardiovascularly, we're getting stronger, you know? Um, and so the, there's a place for those long, easy workouts. Um, especially if you're racing half Ironman, Ironman, you're going to be out there for five, six, seven hours for a half for, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours, right. For a full, uh, that's a long day. So we have to spend, we do have to spend some long days. Um, but I think the biggest misconception is is having these massive long runs all right so i'm since i'm still yeah i have a history of endurance sports for quite a while but i'm still doing my first marathon in october how do i know i'm prepared for mile 20 having never gone to mile 20 like i don't know what mile 20 is going to feel like so like get, tell me some comfort like how do i know what that's going to be Okay. So there's a couple things. Um, I think mile 20 and, and I had planned to, to talk about this. So I'm glad that you had brought this up as a question. Um, you know, mile 20 is kind of the dreaded spot where the, the wall is, whether or not the wall is real. Um, but do we know, do you know why the, the wall, so to speak is occurs at mile 20? So I, I know a little bit and like, just interrupt me if I'm like completely wrong, right? We all only have so much I'll use your analogy, fuel in the tank, right? right? So your body only has so many carbs that are stored in the water, right? You lose water, you lose carbs as you're running. So as you, typically your tank will start to empty or you are going to run out of energy at that point in time. So it's so necessary to be on top of your fuel game way ahead of time. That's what's going to help prevent that as much as possible. That's option one. Option two, I would say is fitness. Like, do you have the fitness to go past mile 20? I don't know what the right answer is, is if it's like making sure you have the energy or if it's just fitness, but it happens right. somewhere for everybody. Right. And so when you hear about people bonking really hard around 20, um, you know, most of us, we can store somewhere between 2000 and 2,500 calories worth of carbs on our body at one time. So if someone tells you the night before their marathon that they went and ate a bunch of pasta, most of it is not going to do them any good. It's just going to make them feel heavy on race day. Right. right? We can't really carbo load. Our, our best bet is to make sure that we're eating enough carbs in the week leading up. Um, so the thing that also makes running a little bit different than cycling is because the speeds are significantly lower, the energy consumption actually ends up being fairly similar from person to person. And it's actually... It, it goes very closely with distance as opposed to speed. So for me, 
if I run a five minute mile or an eight minute mile, my caloric expenditure is actually just is very close. Right. I just one hurt more than the other. Right. And so what ends up happening is for most people, give or take a few calories, about 100 to 110 calories an hour or per mile is what you're going to burn running. Um, if you want to know the exact number, you can buy a stride and then you can calculate it based on your watts because a stride, a stride gives you an exact calorie burn because it's a 3D power meter. Um, but you can find, you, if you do the math, right, you'll burn up all of those calories right around mile 20, uh, no matter who you are, right? Um, now you've probably heard stories of people running a marathon and they'll say, man, I went all the way through and I had no issues, right? There was no wall. Um, and those people are probably not running a two thirty marathon, right? Because what's the difference between those two people is if we go back to our, our gas tank analogy in the beginning, right. And our two thirty marathoner, they're burning more fuel per hour, right? And so what ends up happening is somewhere in there, and it's different for every person, there's a point when you are burning more carbs than fat. So if you're looking at someone that's a more average marathoner to a slightly below average marathoner, they're probably better at fat burning, or not better at fat burning, but they're utilizing fat because they're running at a lower percent of their capacity. Right. Whereas right. the person that is at the front of the race, even mm -hmm. though they're supposedly running steady state, um, I'm sure that most marathons you go to, you know, they're not completely steady when you're talking about somebody that's running 230 or faster, right? There's going to be surges, there's racing going on. And so they're going to be hitting those carbohydrate stores, one, from the race, and two, because they're running at such a higher percent of their capacity that they're going to be burning more carbs. Both people might be burning similar numbers of calories, but they're getting them from different fuel sources. And so that's the difference between um, hitting the wall and not hitting the wall is the slower marathoner, if they've been training correctly, they're probably utilizing fat more than the fast marathoner because the faster marathoner needs the carbohydrates to actually run that fast. Right. So the further below your threshold, yes, the more fat you can burn. As you right. approach your threshold, the energy you're using is going to come from carbs to the point where it's mostly all carbs it's not probably 100 percent carbs but it's mostly all carbs and when you run out you're out yeah so, so let's that, answer the question how back, do i know i, I can go past mile 20. we know that you can get there because right since you've had a stride you probably know exactly how many calories you're going to burn within within less than 100 right over the course of your marathon and so we just make sure that you are carrying enough carbs to top it off a marathon is a much easier fueling strategy than a 70.3 or an Ironman because during those longer races, we have to take in so many calories that we're not sure if our stomach's going to handle it. But during a marathon, you can hit four, five, six gels and you're probably fine. That was my problem in my in the one marathon that I ran. Um, we, we, we had, they had said that there were going to be gels every four to five miles and there weren't any till 17 and I didn't carry any and they had a they had a non-calorie drink on the course that was just electrolytes. And so by the time I got a gel at Why would they do that? The end was very near. Uh so yeah. That's awesome. That's a funny story. Um okay, but but seriously, so my nutrition strategy is is to try and get in a hundred carbs an hour. 
Well, no, no, sorry, 100 uh, calories every every 20 minutes. One gel every 20 minutes. Um, I, I almost went with my bike strategy there, um, yeah. which is easy, 100 carbs an hour, not hard to do on a bike, but one gel every 20 minutes, which would then kind of give me six through the first couple hours, maybe the next 20, six, six or eight, six to eight gels over the course of the race probably. Yeah, and you could probably even back it up to 30 minutes if you wanted to. I don't want to risk it. It's all about energy. Like if you feel, and I'm going to have some, a good majority of them caffeinated. That's the way to go. And, um, use, yeah, use as much of it as possible. Like if you, you don't know if you're completely filled, right? Like to your point, are you starting the race at a hundred percent? I'll probably take a gel 10 minutes before the gun goes off, top it off right at the 20 minute mark, 40, 60. And just, you know, I, I hope, and this is probably something that's a lot different than like pure runners versus triathletes. Um, I haven't done a marathon before, but my perception is like triathletes are just more on their game when it comes to nutrition because races are longer and marathoners runners are gonna be like, Oh, I only need two gels. Oh, I can do it with three gels. Right. No, I'm going to, I'm going to be putting, putting down the food, right. Putting down the gels. I'm training with the gels on the long run that I'm going to be using Martin and just trying to get as used to it as possible. Because if you run out of energy, it's game over you're not finishing where you want to finish. So that's right. And so um, I think I've seen that too. You know, it, you can kind of mess up your nutrition in a marathon and it might not affect you depending on, on how fast you're going it and how much time is left when you start having problems. Um, so you just never know. Unfortunately for me, it hit me really hard at about 21. Um, and it completely wrecked my day. The hardest part I, I have found in training is just getting the fluids is hydration and maybe it's because it's been hot and i've been trying it a lot throughout the summer but the more water i drink or electrolyte gatorade whatever whatever drink mix you want to use it doesn't go in very well gels no problem i can put those down pretty easily i don't get distressed from that but when i try to do too much liquid that's when it hurts yeah and that's what i'm really hopeful for is that when it comes to chicago is it's cool and i my sweat rate is significantly less than what I've been seeing. You can get electrolytes. I might carry a, a thing of blocks, um, some of the watermelon, salted watermelon cliff blocks, just to say top off the electrolytes, but I can't replace the water I'll lose if it's hot and run the pace I want to run. Right. So, okay. I have a long run on the schedule this week. Keith, can you give can you give everyone a weekly workout? A long weekly workout. Yeah, so we'll we'll go ahead and stick with the running theme. We'll do a long run. Uh, since we didn't really talk too much about the other the other two sports, we'll we'll stick with the run. Um, but it depends on what you're training for. But if you're if you're getting ready for a long horse race, um, and you've built up safely, right? So let's say your long run is in that ninety minutes to two hour range. Uh, work up to where you can get that two hour long run in, and then if you're training for a marathon, then Let's do the last 30 minutes at marathon pace. If you're training for a half Ironman, let's do that last 30 minutes at half Ironman pace. And then as you get fitter, right, then we start to extend that. So maybe the next time it's 40 minutes, the last 40 minutes, then the last 50 minutes, the last 60 minutes, right? And one of our goals in training, and especially as an age grouper, you can kind of reach your probably what your max volume is, right? And so what we do is... You know, once you've reached the point where you can't really increase your volume anymore, 
then we can start to increase the volume of the quality within your total volume. So that's what we'll do with this long workout. We'll take the first 90 minutes easy, last 30 minutes at your long course, marathon, half, half Ironman race pace. A couple weeks later, maybe we do 40 minutes. A couple weeks later, we do 50 minutes. A couple weeks later, it's the last hour, right? And then we know that we're ready for whatever that long race is. And we can do it with some loading in our legs and we'll be ready for race day. Stuff. I'm going to be doing on Sunday a two-hour run with three three-mile efforts in the middle. Right. So why in the middle versus toward the end? Because in a couple of weeks, those three by three miles will be longer, and it will be the it'll take up the bulk of the workout. Oh, it was going to be like three by five miles. Yeah, that'll be fun. And then all right, from there, it'll be all downhill. I hope you're talking about the course. Uh, all right, good stuff. Um, let's, let's transition to some of the race news. Again, it's been a month since we talked, so there's a lot to cover. Um, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it. At least that's my opinion of it, kind of sharing that early on. Let's talk about the Collins Cup first. What's your thoughts or feelings on how the race went? Um, it, it's just so boring to watch three people race each other. I wish the Collins Cup okay. was short I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> I honestly didn't know your opinion on it. That is entirely my opinion. Like, I don't even want to talk about the results of the Collins Cup. It's like, why do we bring all the best triathletes in the world to one spot and watch them race in these arbitrary country buckets or continent buckets yeah. and, and think that that's entertaining? Country. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Europe is stacked. It's They're... They sweep, but like we have some of the best triathletes on team Europe and they're not racing each other. Right. Now it was fun to see Lionel and Sam kind of battle it out and have another sprint finish. The whole drama between Sam and Sam, I think is ridiculous was made up a little bit. Maybe it got a little too personal. Like it, it didn't make for a good TV for lack of a better term. I know this wasn't on TV, but it's like they no, need to do okay. something different. Yeah, it's not it's not interesting. And then they all got points for it. Everybody had different weather. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was. Uh, it's not a very exciting thing to me. They need to. NACA needs to do this with Super League if they want to have some sort of Collins Cup sort of thing, and they want them all to be on teams. But they need to. Uh, if they're going to do it, they should all race a super sprint, and they should race like four or six, and race every single person on every team. Yeah. All right, so we know the PTO is listening to this, and hopefully, they'll announce some changes in the future. Yeah, if if it was uh if if it was you know a, a U.S. guy and a Team Europe guy and a Team International, and they raced like a ten or twelve minute super sprint triathlon, and then we mixed it up, and you raced two different people like twenty minutes later, and they did it over and over and over again, I would I would find that much more entertaining than watching three people out on the bike that are so far apart they can't see each other. And I would only find that moderately entertaining, by the way. Like, if yeah. you're going to bring the real triathletes in the world, put yeah. them on the same course together and let them race. Like, you had a closed course with just pros, that'd be freaking cool to do. Or, yeah. like, make it even, make it, hey, on Thursday before the big Sunday race, there's a qualifier event. It's shorter. You have to qualify for the main event. Have two or three different races and only the top people get in. And then they race on Sunday. Like, I, I don't know. There's a million things they could do differently with the setup that they had 
and they just it's just not it was kind of cool last year because it was the first time they did it but it's the novelty's worn off already and and the thing is they you know triathlon is probably not the most spectator friendly sport and they modeled the the collins cup after the most boring leisure activity in the world (laughs) so like what was the point of that it's not a sport and it's boring as it is and now we're trying to model triathlon after something that's already really boring yeah so that's good point yeah okay all right PTO, I hope you're listening. The PTO Open are fun to watch. Like you guys, they're actually races. They're races, uh, and it's just new distance that kind of evens things out a little bit. But yeah, this is, this is not working. Okay, next one. Well, uh, long distance worlds. Uh, for me, I think like the most exciting thing on the women's side is to see Lucy Charles Barkley back uh, and winning. I I was surprised by that. What do you think? I was a little surprised too. I mean, I don't know that we've seen a whole lot of updates as far as how her training is going. Uh, but I thought that Emma Pallant would get the best of her out there. Um, especially since she didn't get picked for the Collins cup. And so I thought maybe Emma Pallant would have been a little bit angrier, but, um, I mean, it was, it doesn't look like it was ever really a race. Uh, Lucy Charles had a huge lead out of the water. Uh, and then that was it. And, um, Emma Pallant got a couple minutes back on the bike, but never really, you know, made it any sort of threat. I mean, I think, yeah, you gotta be impressed by Lucy to one, her, her fitness is still there. She didn't really lose much, if anything. And then she had this hip fracture and she still, she ran the second fastest time of the day. Yeah. So way to go. It was, it was, uh, it was interesting. Long distance worlds never really it's a huge crowd. Um, I think it's cool that they did it in Samarin. So it was all together. Um, and they ended up doing essentially the same course, uh, or they, they did the same distance, slightly different course than the Collins cup. Uh, so that was pretty neat too. And a lot uh, of these athletes were alternates in case someone had to back out of the Collins cup. So that's, that's right. also, I think like part of the reason why you saw that, um, on the men's side, I mean, I didn't really find it overly noteworthy but you you kind of noted there's a couple short course guys in there yeah pierre lacour uh making a the jump to to long distance that's something that we really haven't seen him do a whole lot uh he's 32 and so uh, i think he's probably in the mix to make the team for the paris olympics uh he is he's french um so i'm sure that though he's after that he's probably going to make the jump to long course so it was pretty neat to kind of see him do that and, and he beat a couple you know, established long course guys, Florian Angered and, and Frederick Funk. So it wasn't yeah. a soft win for him. Um, yeah. And then the next exciting thing to see down there was in ninth place was 22 year old Jamie Riddle from South Africa. We talked about him earlier in the year. Um, he had a couple nice non-drafting results, um, but he's been racing on the, the uh, world triathlon series circuit. Um, he's super young. So he still has a, a uh, short course career ahead of him, but it was cool to see him jump into this long race and, and do fairly well. So yeah. excited yeah. for, for that guy. Cause South Africa, they had a pretty good run with Richard Murray and uh, Henry Schumann and, and they were, they were good for a while. And and now those guys are kind of getting older and, and moving out of short course. And so uh, Jamie Riddle's an, an exciting name to, to keep an eye on. It's and not on our list. American, since we want to talk about it, if, it was Andrew Starkwood still hanging right. around. He's 40 and he got 13. 
Yeah, and he said, in uh, at least on his social media, that it wasn't a run that he found particularly enjoyable. But I don't think he usually enjoys the run. So not much That's new great. there. Yeah, probably. Uh, I know it's not on our list, but Ironman Sweden, uh, Alistair Brownlee getting out there again right. at, in absolutely no competition uh, on the list with seven and a half, almost eight minute lead. Um, but it's cool to see him actually finish a run strong. Um, and yeah. hopefully he can he can build on that. And the time, it's one of the fastest times ever, right? At 7.38, yeah. A really quick yeah. one. So, And my understanding is that course isn't super fast either. Um, so I think that that's a good sign that hopefully he's gotten everything together and he'll be good in, in Hawaii. Again, not on our list, but we need good, strong athletes in Hawaii since we're not going to have you on there, which is yeah. a super big disappointment. What's your like one second takeaway of, of Jan's surgery news and being out for the rest of the season? Um, I don't think I'm surprised that he's not racing Kona. It's just not the way that I saw it coming. I thought maybe he just yeah. wasn't going to be ready yet and wasn't going to race, but, uh, to hear that he got in a crash, that's, that's pretty disappointing that that's how he's going to miss it. It is it, like mine is that we, we had this pandemic, but we also had a lot of new athletes coming up or move into the long course, like Christian and Gustav Eden. And they never really got to have that head to head or they never did with Jan. And now I feel like with another year out, like Gustav and Christian probably still getting stronger. I hope Jan can come back just as strong and we get that. But in, in my mind, it means like, Hey, okay. Now when we look at triathlon history, we're going to have to look at pre pandemic, who was the greatest. And it's going to be unquestionably Jan. post pandemic. Who's the greatest. Um, and it's, it's two separate categories where I was really hoping that we were going to have a battle of all these great athletes that we have right now. Those top three, I think are pretty undisputed. Um, and we're not going to get it, which is a, a disappointing. And what the other part that's really disappointing too, is that, uh, we never got to see Christian while he was excelling at short course, really go to head to head with Alistair Brownlee at short course either. So he kind of missed both of, you know, Brownlee was kind of the, the standard one of the one day racers, at least, you know, and then Gomez a couple years older. And so Christian kind of came in as those guys are on the way out of short course. And now he's coming into long course as Verdano's on the way out. So hopefully we'll at least get to see Christian and Brownlee have a good battle somewhere long course, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen short course. Uh, speaking of good battles though, we can preview the Virgin world cup, uh, in Norway. We get two yeah, Norwegians racing on their, their home course. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to take Dorian Connix from France. All right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, it'll be fun to see these guys race. Uh, you know, they, they did a lot of work to bring this race to Norway and they're from Bergen. And so it's a big deal for them. Um, and of course their teammate Casper Storms the three of them were the first male podium sweep in, in a world triathlon series level race. They did it in Bermuda a few years ago. They went one, two, three. And funny enough, Casper Storms was the one that won that race. It wasn't Christian or Gustav. Um, and so I think it's cool that they're going to get to go race at home. Um, you know, Gustav just did the, the Leeds world championship series race a couple of months ago and he was dead last, like 54th, something like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see where his, speed is um he was on the world triathlon podcast the other day and he said the week leading up to Leeds, he did one 
short course specific track workout and he ran a 230 kilometer uh, which if you're doing the math is like 402 mile pace so evidently his speed is still good uh, even though he's been training for a long course um is it the I'm swim not- though that you just don't have faith in maybe gustav in particular to, to be in the front pack um i think that they'll probably make the big group both christian and gustav i just don't think they're going to have the run legs over a sprint distance to to get these guys at 5k that are focused solely on yeah of course okay uh, I'll, I'll 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 pick i'll pick christian just to uh, stick with it i think between the two he he seems to be the one that's right re- maybe more ready for that that short sprinty stuff i'm hoping yeah i think that that he'll like well, can't you he can't use he can't use that that bike without the top two he's going to pick something else yeah right and and the bike course from what i understand is kind of hard and there's some cobbles so maybe maybe that'll break things up and there's a chance they could can make it interesting but um the other person to watch too that's a little farther down the list is probably johnny brownlee uh he crashed in leads and he's missed some races so his his world rank isn't quite as high but um uh, you know he's still in good shape um and we got a couple of young americans over there uh seth Ryder and austin Hindman. they'll be fun to watch and then probably our best american medal hope is is matt McElroy. um so yeah but that's i think that's it for the men um looking at the women's side there's probably not as many kind of popular names on the women's side as there are on the men. Uh, Kirsten Casper's going in. She's number one. Uh, she's from, from the U S probably one of our top five or so women. So I think she's probably got a good chance to win. Um, there's a couple decent names down, down the list. Like Emma Jackson's pretty far down, but she's in good, good shape. I think she's coming around. Um, uh, Emma Jeffco, there's a couple, couple experienced short course people out there, but, I think the men's race is going to be a little bit more exciting than the, the women's race. Yeah, I agree. And we've got either effect. We're going to. Have to gonna... Is there any way to watch these types or these yeah. events, or is it just like watch recaps and? So if you go on uh, World Triathlon, they've got their Triathlon Live app, <laughs> okay. and um, I don't remember what the cost is. I think it's about thirty dollars a year, but you can watch all of the ITU or all the World Triathlon races the world cups world triathlon series and they have super league and uh, they're all together so it's it's pretty nice it's good trainer material for the winter right, i'm checking i'm checking that out this could be a good one yeah uh, but we've got a while before the world triathlon series picks back up again there's not another race um uh, i don't think until october in the on the series so it's it's quite a while okay. and super league starts next weekend so make sure you tune into that because that's the most i don't know about super league I don't, Most I don't exciting know. I haven't bought into that. You really like Super League? You should go race one. That would be fun. I would I would like to race one, but yeah. The actual okay. I've watched a couple like when the pandemic was going on, they, like that I feel like Super League came back really quick. Um was, I don't know. It didn't it didn't catch my attention. So next year though, if you want to race it, then you're gonna come down they're going to have multi-sport nationals here in Texas again. So you can come race the super sprint and we can do the, the mixed team relay together. So we, but, but does everyone do a, a triathlon or is it like a yeah. relay yeah. where everyone it's, does? It's like the Olympics where everybody does a super yeah. sprint triathlon. And that's pretty cool. You come down, I'll find, I'll find two rules and we can make a team. Cool. Okay. All right. You guys heard it on the podcast. Michael's coming back to triathlon next spring. Yes. 
<laughs> I can't wait to come back to triathlon. Actually, let's talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hey, thank you so much for all this long workout guidance. I'm pumped to get out there on Sunday and do my long run. So um, hopefully, if you've listened this long to the podcast, you've enjoyed it. Make sure you're subscribed so that you can catch future episodes. Uh, if you have a question for us, if you want us to incorporate it into the podcast, reach out to us on Instagram or hashtag try faster podcast. And we will try to search for those and include your question in future episodes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Bye.